The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, The Rock Place, and Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. Good morning and welcome in to another edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I'm Chris Yao, joined by Maurice Patton and J.P. Plant on the controls. And um, it is Tuesday, Election Day, November 3rd. We are glad that you are here with us if you are driving to or fro the polls. If you have not voted already, you should definitely do that. Um, so, guys... We- <laughs> We gotta talk about what we just heard. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not really sure what I just heard. All I, I, what I heard was that someone was dragged from their car by their buttocks in the Sonic parking lot in Spring Hill. Is that what I just heard? I, I Something have, to that effect, I believe. Yeah. All I heard was buttocks uh-huh. <laughs> and dragged. I'm what sorry. in the yeah. world? Yeah. Well, before it's, before that, we heard about a carjacker getting fooled by getting punched in the face. So. It's election day, twenty twenty. I mean, what do you ah, expect? Man, that was that was something. Good. Oh. <laughs> Ron Jordan uh, coming in hot this morning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Front porch radio's version of Les Nessman. Oh my gosh, that was <laughs> that was good stuff. That was special. Right I'll, there. I'll have to be sure and listen close closer <laughs> On the, the next hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, that was good stuff. Yeah, we I, all kinds of news going on. We got carjackers getting punched in the face, people getting dragged out uh, of Sonic parking lot by their buttocks, by the buttocks. and uh, by <laughs> by their buttocks. <laughs> it jumped up and bit me. Um. <laughs> good morning, uh-huh. Columbia. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. Yep. It is morning here. All right, let's actually talk about some sports now because that was that was special. Uh, I think your audience needs a little sports conversation. I, I, I think so too. Uh, you know, I think I need a little mm-hmm. sports conversation. If you want to get in on the conversation, nine three one three eight one one zero one seven nine three one three eight one one zero one seven. You can give us a call, shoot us a text. If you do shoot us a text, give us your name and where you're from. We would love to have your opinion as we talk about yesterday's TWSAA hearing involving. Shovable and a postseason ban for 2020. Um, Mo, you got the chance to watch that on Zoom. Well, listen. Or listen. You, you couldn't see it? No. Ah, uh, interesting. Well, you got a chance to listen to it. Mm-hmm. How how did that go? Uh, the Shelbyville principal made his presentation. There were some questions asked, and... By a 7-5 vote of the 12 members of the Board of Control, um, the vote was to uphold the state office state office's decision to ban Shelbyville for two years for their part in a... Um, the, the Shelbyville principal seemed to take offense with the phrase brawl, so 
let's say fracas, maybe, dust up, confrontation. At any rate, um, their I'm band sorry. their band is upheld for this year. They were encouraged to come back once. Excuse me. Once they have put some things in place to um, maybe address whatever took place with Franklin County in Week Ten, and I think they may get off for that second year. But but there was no way they were going to be able to participate this year. I don't think. So. They took offense to the word brawl. Mm-hmm. I, I have, I mean, I, I think that's an accurate term. I mean, we, we, we had f- more than three people from each team taking part in a, in a fight, essentially. Yeah. Well, at, at that point, I, I feel like, like three is the, the cutoff there for a brawl. <laughs> I mean, at least it, it was sh- funny. Greg, Greg, um, Greg McCullough, the principal from Memphis Central, who is a member of the board of control, uh, mentioned that, you know, if it wasn't a brawl, it was. I've I've seen I've seen brawls. Um, it was certainly brawlish. Yeah, brawlish. Yeah. I mean that that's brawl like. Cool. Yeah. I mean, there you go. Ish. When 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 the players come off the sides, that's what it. That's when it looks brawlish to me was McCullough's quote. Marisa, did did the principal have a suggestion for a different term to describe this? No, he really did not have a... He came came with a problem and no solution. You know, I guess it was kind of like pornography. He knows it when he sees it. I don't know. But um, (laughs) it it did not rise to the level of a brawl to him. Um, Perhaps he's seen brawls? <laughs> I guess I don't know, but um, and as we as we had talked earlier about you know what is their defense in this situation going to be? Well, their basic premise was this would not have the the officials the game officials had things under control until one of the Franklin County kids ran up to a Shelbyville kid, just kind of an innocent bystander, <laughs> he and and. and <laughs> And knocked him down, and when he proceeded to take our player down and took a couple of swings at him, you know that that's that's when the fight started. That's that was their that was their concept of the situation. That was their defense. Basically, was you know as we talked, we didn't start it. It was under control. They escalated it. They did start it. It was under control. Then it got started again. Mm-hmm. But they did start it. I mean. The kid doesn't drop kick slash spear. The other, the Franklin County kid doesn't drop kick or spear the the Shelbyville kid, and without getting his helmet ripped, without off. the Shelbyville player ripping off the helmet of a Franklin County player and headbutting him twice. So, so at any rate, um, Shelbyville will not be in the playoffs as was originally announced here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today on Friday morning. So. As a result, we've Glad got that held up. Wow, right? <laughs> um, so Summit goes forward as the number one seed. Page is the number two. Columbia Central is the three, and Lincoln County is the four. Still excited about this Lincoln County handing their pads back out. <laughs> it there's got to be a story there somewhere. Because like you said, they had been on quarantine for weeks 10 and 11. 
they had thought that their season was over with, like you said, and then all of a sudden they get a call. Oh, by the way, Friday, beach, be there. <laughs> will they be there? Are you? I mean, uh, are you hearing anything? We assume. I have they not will be heard there. anything to the contrary. Yeah. So I would, I would, and you know what happens when you assume. But I would assume <laughs> that the Falcons will be there. I, you know, if if Lewis Thompson has to load them on the bus himself, I mean. If the ghost of John Meadows has to load them on the bus, I, I, I feel pretty sure the Falcons will be on Shackle Island Friday night by 7 o'clock. Now, what happens once they get there is anybody's guess. I got a pretty good idea, but, <laughs> but I feel pretty sure they will be there. Maybe they've had two weeks to instill a new offense. Well, uh, why? <laughs> Since they didn't feel like they were going to be using it, you know? Yeah, um, I... That's a, that. That's something. I mean, I get what you were saying the other night, and you know it might kind of borderline be a player safety issue, but I just don't play. I I just don't think you turn down a playoff spot regardless of how you came about it. It's not like a bowl game, right? I mean, you have a chance to win a state championship now. There might be a slim chance, but there's a chance. Hey. For all Lincoln County knows, somewhere between now and Friday, Beach could come up with COVID. <laughs> That's right. That's Don't tell them you're not coming until. And, and would that not be crazy? <laughs> how, how crazy would that be? They want they wouldn't have played for like four straight weeks, and they're in the second round. <laughs> that would be awful. How, how crazy would that be? It's all crazy. That's it what is. I'm trying to tell you. It's, it's 2020. It's all crazy. So, tell me this. Mm-hmm. So. We know that Franklin County self-imposed the 2020 ban, so they had no they, – they don't care about Not this, about this year. This year. Right. Shubble will likely appeal their 2021 ban, mm-hmm. as will Franklin County. Right. Both of them have a pretty good shot of maybe getting that one. I think so. But what – I guess what annoys me about the whole situation is that on Friday we report – Exactly what the TWSWA letter said, which said that no video exists. <laughs> now, we've seen video. We have video. I have video on my phone. Other people have posted video to websites and Twitter and everything else. I just find it amazing that they all of a sudden just found that Friday that morning, video. everybody found video. Mm-hmm. Video that didn't exist. Did not 36 exist. 36 hours prior. I don't just, understand. Just materialized. Out of thin air, clearly. Oh, look at this. <laughs> just so happened. <laughs> and, and here's the thing is Shelbyville is the one. Uh, uh, Franklin who, County. Franklin County found the video? It was, to my understanding, a Franklin County parent sent was shooting it from the stands and it wound up mysteriously enough in the hands of a Shelbyville parent. Okay. So that's what I was going to say is because the video was shot from the Franklin County sideline. So Mm -hmm. if Shelbyville was somehow come up with this, then it was certainly a coach who had the video. But if that's the case, if it was a Franklin County parent, that makes more sense. Yeah. That makes me feel a little bit better about the situation. By degrees. I mean, slightly. Sure, but I mean, if if that's what you're talking about, if that you know, if you're talking about a situation where 
Shelbyville had video, and then they don't show the video until they get hammered. But now, here's my question. I want to know who, what 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 in that video made you feel better about your situation than prior to. I. Uh, Nothing. I mean, all three of us have seen the video. What did what did you see that's like, oh, well, clearly the TWSAA overreacted in their decision because it, you can see it right here. Nothing. Nothing. There you go. Folks, it's Tuesday. It is election day. It is 19 minutes past the hour of 9 o'clock. We are we have a full show. Really great show. Matter of fact, we've got Joe Williams from the Williamson Herald on the other side of a break here momentarily. Additionally, we have Matt Wilson, commissioner of the Gulf South Conference. And Columbia Central and grad. And Columbia Central grad. So we, we've got a, a a great lineup today. We hope that you guys will stick around. Again, 931-381-1017 is how you get into the show, 931-381-1017. We would love to have you take your calls, your texts. Once again, um, what I would suggest is uh, if you are looking for playoff matchups or you need to know exactly what's going to happen, ask us a question. We can help you out. We will be talking about playoff matchups in the third segment on the show. And in the second hour, we've got Titans. We've got some Braves news. And, of course, we have Top 5 Tuesday. And with the news that Sean Connery passed away over the weekend, we will tell you our Top 5 Favorite Actors. Now, there's a caveat to that. Yes, Apparently, they're using actors as a gender-neutral term now. There's no Actress is not a thing. So, by actors, we mean male and female. So, And I have both male and female on my list. We'll also tell you our favorite movies from said actors. So, we've got all of that, much more, coming on the rest of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We'll be right back with Joe Williams of the Williamson Herald, Stay tuned. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented... I'm Mid Tennessee Bone and Joints. 
23 minutes past the hour of 9 o'clock, and we have plenty to talk about in this segment because the Williamson County sports world is just going nuts. But before we talk about Williamson County sports with the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> there we go. Uh, you know, there's one thing that, that Joe does a little bit that that I want to kind of get his take on is uh, where he was at this weekend. And mm. so right now, we will welcome in Joe Williams of the Williamson Herald. Joe, you were, uh, what were you doing this weekend? This weekend, I spent at the Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway for the final event of the year, the 36th All-American 400. The 36th All-American 400. Yes. Tell folks a little bit about what that means. Well, and what, what is the All-American 400? The All-American 400 was a race that uh, started in 1981, first held in, in 1981. Uh, a guy by the name of Bob Harmon, maybe one of the greatest promoters ever. Uh, and a mentor of mine uh, had a short track racing series in the South called Off Road. Rex Robbins, who was uh, another was great, he was a great uh, administrator. I had the American Speed Association, the old ASA, in uh, in the Midwest, and very similar rules. Not exactly the same. Long story short. They came together in Nashville and created the All-American 400. Now, for years, it was billed as the Civil War on Wheels, North versus South. And, of course, uh, that ain't happening no more. But um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you had great drivers. I mean, competition. One, I was thinking, we were talking about this weekend in 80, 86. We had 110 drivers in three different countries trying to qualify for 40 spots. It hit some hard times as the track has gone through some hard times, but uh, for most years they've managed to uh, have a semblance of that race. The names that have won this thing uh, are just incredible. The drivers who, who came through here and learned, Rusty Wallace and Mark Martin and Dick Trickle, uh, Daryl Walter has been through it, Sterling, Mike Alexander, I mean, I could, I could lose probably well, at least 15 of the greatest drivers uh, to ever sit behind the wheel of a race car who've come through this race, and, and have, you know, some of them still haven't won it. <laughs> yeah, so the uh, All-American Forum is a super late model, right? Right. And super late model is kind of like the highest, I, I want to say amateur, it's triple A. It, it's basically tri yeah, triple A. It's triple A. And um, who won the race on Sunday? A kid by the name of Casey Roderick out of uh, Georgia. Who did Bubba race? No, no. Bubba was in Martinsville. Gotcha. Bubba was in Martinsville. These are th this so, is but, this is was this one of those stepping stone races. Bubba Pollard was was in Martinsville. I'm sorry. Yeah, Bubba Pollard was here. Okay. I was thinking Bubba Wallace. I'm sorry. No, super late model Bubba Pollard is the he, 
He's the what was the guy we were talking about that from the Pawtucket Red Sox yesterday? Oh, Bryce Brents. Yes, he's, he's oh. the Bryce Brents of, of racing. <laughs> he's going to be in the Super Late Model Hall of Fame, but he may or may not ever get any farther. Bubba, Bubba Pollard has won basically uh, every almost everything this year. Well, he's won everything in the South. A kid by the name of Carson Hosevar is one of the big ones up north. But Bubba was never a factor in this race. He's wow. won 400 before, but he was never a factor this year. Well, I, I I love I love the fairgrounds, and I know you do too. And I know that stock car racing is is you know really big deal right now, especially in the mid state with the news of all of the things coming to the the super speedway, and then of course the Music City Grand Prix. That's going to be a lot of fun. But I just wanted to get your take on the the All American Four Hundred because it is one of the coolest uh, events in in Middle Tennessee, uh, especially. Yeah, it was a full week of activity. You know, the, the, the big thing to me this weekend was um, the Hall of Fame committee put three new members into the Fairgrounds Speed Nashville uh, Racing Hall of Fame. Including Scott Borchetta. Including Williamson County resident Scott Borchetta, who, uh, who is still racing and won. Is uh, yeah, he? Yeah, he's the uh, vintage, vintage Corvette national champion this year. Huh. Uh, another one was Miss Lily Buford and Miss Lily, of course, is probably best known in Williamson County, <laughs> some of the work she's done here, but the interesting part of that, that's the full circle. Miss Lily was the first female inducted into the hall of fame and she joins her husband, Fluky and her son, Joe. I'm not sure there is a better nickname than Fluky Buford. <laughs> that's a great one. He was a legend when I was growing up. I mean, I've never, as Joe can tell you, I've never been a huge, huge stock car racing fan, but everybody knew Fluky Buford when I was growing up. <laughs> well, yeah, how could you not know him? Exactly. <laughs> With a name like Fluky. It's amazing, yeah. though, some of the names out of Franklin that have been involved with racing. Again, mm -hmm. the Buford family. Um, Joe mentioned Mike Alexander, who I think I was taller than when I was in seventh grade, but... Um, <laughs> that that dude could, still you probably still are yeah but that that dude could wheel a car man I, he was um he was something else you i think everybody in franklin really thought he was going to be grand national and everything and it it just never happened but um it, well, he act, he actually he, the, the interesting thing was when bobby allison got hurt pocono mike was probably two races away from winning what was then the bush series what we call the xfinity now the, mm -hmm. the second tier and they asked him to move up and take Bobby's spot. He finished third in Atlanta in the last race of the year in the Stavola Brothers car. Um, one of the other crown jewels of short track racing is the Snowball Derby in Pensacola, Florida, oh, yeah. held the first weekend of December. And uh, Mike was always a factor in that race. But he finished third in Atlanta and... Uh, went to went to the snowball and had a horrible crash and mm. uh, was injured and he never he, he went back ran at daytona and pretty much said at that point it's just it's not there he just didn't think he needed to be in the car and, and he he got out so what what could have been on that level uh unfortunately ended in pensacola florida yeah snowball's a great race but Anyway, 
We will move on from stock cars now. This, but but, <laughs> but I, love, I, I love it, and I, I love talking about it. And you were right in his wheelhouse when you went there. Oh, I know. I yeah. know. And that, that's why I wanted to, to get that get, get your take on that because I'm I'm a I mean, I I'm a really big fan of the super late models. We we actually went to the the race earlier this year. Um they had a I guess it was in July or August, late July, early August, something like that. We went to the fairgrounds and watched the super late model race and a lot of fun. That there it's it's different than NASCAR because when you're on that short track you can actually see the cars do everything they do. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's really something yeah, that's to watch. What, that's what people have told me that, you know, that have tried to convince me to go to a race. If you ever go to a race, it, particularly at the, in the cup series, go to Bristol because yeah. the short tracks are really, they are the better. most exciting, most easily viewed, that kind of thing. And so one, know. one quick note, the third member to the hall of fame was, was my buddy, Bob Harmon. Oh. I was just tickled to see them choose him to go in there and, and join us in that group. And, and speaking of hall of fame, congratulations. Mr. <laughs> Keep it going. I am so proud for you, buddy. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. I, I appreciate it. It's, um, whoa. Did Mo, lose him? Mo's getting you still there, call. Joe? Yes, sir. Okay, great. No, it, it's really a great honor. And, um, it's really been overblown on these airwaves over the last five days, but um, but I appreciate it. I don't think it. so. Yeah, oh. I don't think so. Well deserved, and, and and maybe a couple of years too late, too, but at least it's hey, it got there. There you go. There you go. Thank you, sir. Oh, Joe, tell us about um, Brentwood. Are are they safe right now as their school moves to virtual learning? You know, that's a, that's an excellent question. Uh, I know Mari's going to talk briefly about it. I think we're all trying to figure it out. Right now, uh, they're probably okay. Now, what tomorrow afternoon brings is another story. You know, I've been trying to find something on the, the, the county website has not updated their their COVID numbers. But i got to tell you what really scares me, and this, this is kind of off of sports, but it's just as important. You know, the CDC changed their guidelines last week. Uh, con- and what has killed the, the schools has been contact tracing. Sure. So in other words, if there's 30 of us in a room and I get COVID, well, now they want to know who's been within six feet of me for 15 minutes. Well, you know, I'll use Paige as an example. They had, what, 16 cases, but 540 kids that were, that were out on quarantine because of contact, contact tracing. tracing well the cdc changed their rules last week or excuse me changed their guidelines it had been if you've been within six feet for 15 consecutive minutes now it's within six feet for 15 total minutes in a 24-hour period oh that changes the game dramatically uh, yeah um, especially when there's all the movement that goes on, uh, you know, if, if I'm in and out, if I'm just in and out of your, your studio for 15 minutes over, you know, 15 times for a minute over the course of 24 hours, then, depending on who's in there with me, I may well be on contact tracing. Right. Wow. So yeah, I, I would expect, and, and I, one of the things I said the other day, I hope businesses are following this because this could 
this could really shut some things down pretty quick. Uh, now, what does that do to the football team? I don't know. I know uh, a coach that's uh, – I talked to one of the coaches on the south end of, of Williamson County, and their their procedure was very clear. They let them in as a group. The seniors come in, and there's a countdown clock, and it's 10 minutes, and that's it. You've got 10 minutes to get in, get dressed, and hit the field. When you came off the field, you had 10 minutes to get in, get undressed, and get out of the locker room. And that way, you were under the 15-minute mark. Well, that changes now if we follow the new guidelines. Um, you know, when, when you look at we only we only ran drills for five minutes at a time, but we did it four times. Uh-oh. Hmm. Then that's that's we, that's your fifteen minutes and twenty four hours in. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. So I think it just depends on how serious they want to get. Brentwood, you know, Brentwood has kind of dodged the bullet through all of this. They had and I don't think I'm out of I don't think I'm out of talking out of school when we discussed the the issue early in the year when they had kind of a uh, a spreader event and some, some bad decisions and several kids actually caught caught COVID or a form and, and were quarantined etc but they've been very fortunate in that it's been small groups at a time so tell me this is there any chance that move that game moves to Cane Ridge I think the biggest concern right now is, is that game gets played at all. Oh, it's certainly the biggest concern, but I, I, if, I can't – okay, I will tell you this. I am reading their transition to remote learning. There's nothing in the WCS documents that say extracurriculars cannot happen in the event of a move to virtual learning, which we saw with Lawrence County. Lawrence right. County – said, if you move to virtual learning, all extracurriculars are done. With one caveat to that, by the way, that's based on the students. The reason is because of the students. If it was an organizational, Mm -hmm. i.e. substitutes or lack thereof, extracurricular activities could still go on sport by sport. But because it was students, Mm -hmm. that cancels everything in that particular case. You know, We've seen that play out a couple of times this year. Uh, with, with some of these COVID victories, if you will, mm-hmm. where some schools said, yes, you could play, but they didn't have enough kids to play. Uh, we've seen it where they've said, no, the whole school's on lockdown. It happened to uh, Fairview earlier in the year, if you'll mm-hmm. remember, mm-hmm. When, when they went out. Uh, now, there was a difference the way they worded that. It, at that point, it was we're closing the school for whatever reason. This time, they're talking about where we're moving to remote learning. So I think there's a nuance there. Uh, the folks at Williamson County uh, spend a lot of time and do an excellent job of wordsmithing. <laughs> uh, and I mean that as a compliment, actually. It drives me crazy, but I mean that as a compliment. There's a lot of hair splitting. Yes. Yeah, and you know the the funny part is this ain't like the '80s when you had '80s when you had big hair to split. <laughs> um, but they're still they're still good at it. Yeah, you know, I, 
if you also look at it the way it's worded there on remote remote learning through Friday, and then they'll make a decision about next week. So okay, remote learning through Friday, school day ends at two o'clock, let's say. So do we then open the door to all extracurriculars after that, and then come back Saturday and Sunday and go, eh, we're going to be closed this week? I don't know. I don't see how you can. That 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 feels like a. Uh you know, con- I guess a, it's a conflict. I mean, you, you can't tell me one thing's okay on Friday night and to bring all of these people who are not typically at the school, people from a different community to your school and then say, uh, well, it's not really okay on Monday morning. Well, or do you come back and play the game on Friday night the way Metro's played games? You know, Metro nobody. Metro's played games with nobody there. And I can see that. And, and I think... If the option was either Brentwood playing the game with nobody there or Brentwood playing at Cane Ridge with nobody there, I think that Brentwood would take the, the home game. Former, yeah, sure. So, and I guarantee you, Brentwood would take. We'll play the game with nobody here over not playing at all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Hey, um, because this is going to be look. This is going to be a, a quote unquote relatively easy year for the west side of the state because Memphis didn't play. Yeah, it's definitely easy for uh, Region Seven. Oh lord! Yeah. <laughs> oh man! Hey, uh, Joe, we're going to take a quick break. Do you mind uh, hanging on and 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 staying on for that the next segment? Nah, whatever you need, guys. I'm here. I mean, what else have you got to do? <laughs> <laughs> wow what okay let me rephrase what better things there do you have go. to do there than to go. hang out oh. with us on the radio nothing at all exactly there we go so all right we are going to take a quick break on southern middle tennessee sports today when we come back we will stick with joe williams of the williamson herald and uh, talk a little bit more about williamson county sports and uh, some playoff stuff mm-hmm. plenty of that on the other side of a break. This is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Stay tuned. Are you finally ready to turn your outdated kitchen into a dream kitchen, but you don't want to deal with the hassle of a remodel? Call our friends Lynn and Kathy over at By Design Cabinetry in Spring Hill. They have the latest trends and timeless classic looks for your home. By Design Cabinetry is your solution to indoor and outdoor cabinets. Visit them at bydesigncabinetry.com or call 615-241-1195. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We are 16 minutes to the top of the hour, the 10 o'clock hour, that is. And we are still joined by Joe Williams of the Williamson Herald. He is on the line, and we um, we appreciate him sticking around for this segment as we do want to get to some other uh, playoff games, and Brentwood took up the vast majority of that 
last segment, um, just to recap, Brentwood, as of now, scheduled to play at home against Cane Ridge with no particular caveats at this point. Right. Brentwood's the one seed out of Region 66A, Cane Ridge. Having played that truncated schedule or getting off to that late start starting the um, first weekend in October is the four seed out of Region 5, 6A. So that's that's that game. And that winner would play the number three which is from Region 6A, which is Independence. Or Laverne. Or Laverne, the number two out of Region 5, 6A. Independence goes to Laverne coming off of that 28-14 loss Friday night to Ravenwood in the se- in the regular season finale. Ravenwood, the number two seed, it gets a bye because Stewart's Creek is um, still dealing with some co- with quarantine and issues. And that's that's now official per the TWSWA website. So Ravenwood that has is been now, updated. Yeah, Ravenwood is now in the second round officially. Okay, and they will meet. The winner of the Region 5 6A Region Champion Smyrna and 66A number four Franklin. So the Admirals go to Smyrna on Friday night. That winner will play Ravenwood, and the site will be pending. If, um, if Smyrna wins, then they would play at Smyrna. If Franklin wins, then they would play at Ravenwood. Yep, that's so, it. So there we go. Joe, um, what's your impression of those other three matchups? I'm going out on a limb and calling for a Region 6 sweep. That is going out on a limb. And, you know, that is something <laughs> That's something that Chris and JP have knocked around here over the last couple of days, and I'll tell you what I told them. You've got a lot more confidence in my alma mater than I do. Well, and that's the shaky one. I'll grant you. Um, I don't know, man. But, I think that I think Cambridge Brentwood's shaky too. No, no, I, I, I just I have I have a little more confidence in Brentwood being at home. If they were at Cambridge, I might back up a little bit. Okay. Yeah, these but, guys have been calling for two number one upsets, like the Smyrna with Franklin getting Smyrna and Cane Ridge getting getting Brentwood and I, I don't really see the latter I don't really see the former but well um, boys it is 2020 and anything can happen right? and and that is the caveat that overrides everything but you know you've seen this Franklin team a few times I don't know if you've seen Smyrna or not but what is it you like about them in um in calling for the sweep I think if if Connor Bevan can get in a rhythm, especially with, uh, with Spirito, Repass, a couple of those guys. I think the real key to Franklin is finding a way with that big offensive line that I thought, quite honestly, was going to be a lot better than I've seen some of. Uh, but if they can break a hole open for this Bryce Sparks kid, this kid's electric. Kid's really good. I mean, he has got some speed if he can ever get, get past the line of scrimmage. And it doesn't matter if it's up the middle or around the end, uh, around the edge. Um, I think the weakness on that Franklin team continues to be the defensive secondary. 
That makes sense. Um, How does Smyrna match up with that? Because I, I, I don't know. Well, if it's like most Smyrna teams, uh, they're going to be heavy on the run. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, like I said, if if Franklin were to, were to find a team to where that that one quote weakness, and I'll I'll put that weakness in quotes. Mm -hmm. um, this might be this might be the good matchup. And you know, when you get to this time of year, a lot of times it's about matchups. And if if Smyrna is run heavy and they are not really able to take advantage of Franklin's quote weakness in the secondary, then obviously that's to the Admiral's benefit. So, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe you guys are onto something. That's, that's interesting. I just, um, it's, it's interesting. And I'm, I'm interested also, I got a chance to talk to um Matt Daniels after the Ravenwood independence game. And, and he felt like, you know, this open date to open the playoffs was really going to do his team some good just from an injury standpoint and that kind of thing. So they really went in there with an eye on that number two seed. Yeah, they've got a – I I, I, thought, I really thought the Independence game was going to be a make-or-break game for Ravenwood. Either they were going to come out win that game and now they're, they're back on track. If they had gotten beaten, I would have said it didn't matter who they played Friday night, they'd be done. Um but they did win that game. Maybe they're back on track. And if that's the case, Ravenwood could cause a lot of teams a lot of problems. I, I haven't seen them Friday night. I tend to agree with you. And, um, you know, Independence, I think that was a disappointing loss for them. You know, they turned it over three times in the second half. They're down by a touchdown going into the second half. You know, um, Coming back from a one-touchdown deficit isn't a big deal, really, for that offense. But, again, three turnovers. Under yeah. normal circumstances, I'd be a little bit concerned of what their mental state might be going forward. I, I don't think that'll be an issue with this team. I really expect them to go in and take care of business over at Laverne decisively. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. We, I may get out of there a little early. You I'm telling get, you. You won't get out too early because they're going to throw the ball. Yeah, but I'm thinking we may not have – it oh, may not matter in the fourth quarter. look at you. Look at you calling for the mercy rule. I'm telling I'm you. You're calling for a running you clock. You're calling for the early? running clock I'm telling you. Tuesday. I'm telling you that Independence is going to boat race Laverne. And that's not the first time you told us. No, it is not. <laughs> told you Friday night. You did. He 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 did use the term boat race, Um, so – I have I'll, – I'll tell you, Joe, my, my biggest concern on for, for Williamson County teams on Friday night and talking about last Friday and how big the loss for Fairview to Stewart County mm. really was. Because it, not only did you not win your region, but have you seen this playoff bracket? Holy cow. Fairview went from having a cakewalk nearly to the, to quarter the quarterfinals to having to play two of the best teams in the class back-to-back back to, back. to get to the quarterfinals, where you well, finally see Stewart County again, even if you get there. Well, let me tell you, there's only two good reasons to go to Dover. One's to play golf, and the other's to eat catfish. Um, 
And unfortunately, that's where they, that's where they wound up. And, and Fairview didn't get to do either, huh? Yeah, I didn't get to do either one last week. Uh, you know, the, 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 Fair, the, the Fairview game this week is one that is just tearing at my heart. Um, because but, East Nashville Eagles come calling. And we talked and, about my alma mater earlier. This is Joe's. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just don't, I don't have a grasp on how good they are. I don't know. I know the last time the Eagles came down a couple of years ago and Fairview pretty well handled them, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, there are other folks who will tell you that they may be the second or third best team out of Nashville behind Pearl Cone and, and Kane Ridge. First year, they got a first-year coach in Jamal Stewart who has, has done a, a solid job under adverse conditions. You know, anybody that begins their coaching career in 2020, that's – I mean, it's only going to get better from here, you would think. But um, I'm, I'm not sure – where they sit, like you said, in in that hierarchy behind, you know, Pearl yeah. Cone and Cane Ridge, and well, going they certainly out, are behind Pearl Cone. Yeah, we know that. Yeah. But <laughs> that's but a, I know they opened the season beating Maplewood fifty-one to six, yeah. and I'm not sure exactly what you can take out of that. But but regardless, that that's a program with a lot of tradition going over to Fairview, and then if the Yellow Jackets win that one, then they got to play Pearl Cone. I can tell you that uh, what we took out of that 51 to 6 win over Maplewood was a great deal of pride and revenge. But that's 30 something years talking. <laughs> you know. There you go. There you go. Um, I just I I just don't know. I know they've got a couple of athletes on that team um, and they're playing as a team. But Fairview, I, I just I cannot. As much as it hurts me, I cannot pick against Chris Hughes and that system of his. Well, I, I can especially at home. Mm-hmm. I certainly understand that, and that that's why. But you know, losing the Stewart County game put them in a very difficult situation because instead of getting to play two and four Stratford, who I've seen and is just. I mean, they got some athletes, but they're not very good overall. And the Region 5 number two is 3-7 and seven, Giles County, which, granted, two of those losses was to Marshall County and another to Page. But th- they're not very good either. You know, unfortunately, having – you know, that, that just seems like it would have been a, a much easier road being the number one seed. And that, you know, losing to Stewart County Friday night was a, a big deal. Well, trying to <laughs> trying to get to where I was trying to go. <laughs> where where are you trying? Where were you trying to go? He's Joe? trying to well, get to I'm, the. I'm trying to call up a website, and unfortunately, <laughs> we having some user error over there, Joe. Well, it's a new antivirus. We won't even talk about it. See, I, normally I just do this quietly. You never know it. Everybody thinks I'm coming up with this right <laughs> off the top of my head. And, and the, the truth has come out. So oh, it, man. It it's been exposed. It <laughs> yep. Man, that's – what kind of antivirus is this so I can avoid it? Uh, McAfee. I'll leave you oh, oh, well. <laughs> okay. All right. Enough said. Yeah. Enough anyway, said. yeah, you're it, – it's going to be – I think it'll be a fun night out there. Um, the one thing that gets me – no, they, you're right. They, they took the hard road. 
they're going to have but to I take think, it now. Yeah, I think uh, I think that loss at Stewart County mm. probably angered them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I I think that could definitely be a a um a motivator. You know, this weekend anyway. The next week against Pearl Cone, I'm not sure it'll matter. I mean, yeah. that's 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 just a tough spot to be in, I think. But um, you know, moving moving around a little bit more. Page um, was set to be the number three seed and going on the road probably to Gallatin. Instead, they will host Hillsborough, and I'm not sure that they're necessarily better off. Uh, I'm not sure either, to be honest. And uh, But, hey, it took so long to figure out that Class A bra- 5A bracket. I mean, come on. What it was Monday afternoon before you knew because of all the shenanigans, exactly with uh Shelville and Franklin County. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was impressed that they would, given that both teams were so uh, heavily hit with penalties, that either one had the courage to appeal. But you know, that's that's the process. I give them credit for taking advantage of, yeah. And Nolan, um, Nolansville goes. Home. Nolensville's at home against, against Livingston. Make, against Livingston, there we go. It shouldn't yeah. be a problem for the Knights. So I don't know a whole lot about Livingston Academy, but I'm going to guess it probably won't be uh, a big <laughs> hassle. <laughs> you guys uh, were busy over the weekend. Um, a little state soccer going on. Congratulations to the um, BGA Lady Wildcats and to the Ravenwood Lady Raptors, both repeating as state soccer champions in division two a and in class triple a respectively is that correct that is correct and, and i'm impressed because you're able to keep all the a's in order better than i am um with this crazy system that we use <laughs> but yeah Ray, uh, ravenwood getting a one nothing win over franklin uh, you know it was a great state tournament once you got to the semis every both semifinal games and the finals were all one goal games yep one goal they were hey they were good tight games like they should when you're in the state finals that's what you got to hope for right yeah i mean the last thing you want to see is some nine nothing blowout (laughs) that's right Um, i know the girls at franklin are, are disappointed but you know i think hats off to all of them they did a great job um it, soccer is kind of like volleyball. Uh, you know, the road the road to the golden ball leads through Williamson County. Sorry, I <laughs> no, that's 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 pretty pretty accurate at this point, Joe. Hey, thanks for visiting with us on this Tuesday morning, Joe Williams of the Williamson Herald. When we come back, um, we'll have a little bit more Titans, Titans, Braves. Braves and Matt Wilson at the bottom of the hour. This is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military... Our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. 
Are you finally ready to turn your outdated kitchen into a dream kitchen, but you don't want to deal with the hassle of a remodel? Call our friends Lynn and Kathy over at By Design Cabinetry in Spring Hill. They have the latest trends and timeless classic looks for your home. By Design Cabinetry is your solution to indoor and outdoor cabinets. Visit them at bydesigncabinetry.com or call 615-241-1195. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. It is very weird to hear yourself in your headphones <laughs> when it's not you actually talking. Keep you on your toes. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's uh, seven minutes past the hour of ten o'clock here in Columbia, Tennessee. A beautiful day outside here at Front Porch Radio and on West Seventh in Columbia. Fifty-seven degrees and sunny. It's a beautiful day, man. Look look at the sun shining. Much better than last week. Last week was brutal. You know what else makes it a beautiful day? I'm sitting here scrolling through Twitter as we are wont to oh. do. And um gotta be careful doing that. Former Vanderbilt Athletic Media Relations Department employee Amanda Brooks, who now works for ESPN, has tweeted ESPN welcomes the return of the Mac. Oh, that's so good. And the Pac-12 in Week 10. Um, midweek Maction, five games this week, um, including... I love Maction. <laughs> I want Maction tonight. Eastern Michigan at Kent State, Buffalo at Northern Illinois, Western Michigan at Akron, Ohio at Central Michigan, and Bowling Green at Toledo on the various... ESPN platforms, um, ESPN Plus, The Deuce, ESPN3, ESPN, and ESPNU. Look at you. (laughs) Man, return of the Mac. Return of the Mac. Come on. You knew he'd be back. (laughs) Uh, I'm telling you, Maction is some of the best, most fun college football that you can get. It the, really the, is. the fun belt would take issue. Uh, they don't have nearly so midweek maction and Pac-12 after dark are certainly <laughs> the two weirdest. And in 2020, can you imagine? Stanford at Oregon kicking off the Pac-12 Saturday. What time night. is that? It's um 6:30 here. Oh man! So it's not really I mean, Pac-12 I need, I need, after yeah, dark. I need 9:30 kickoffs for Pac-12. You can't stay up for it. Uh, yeah, have you ever seen Pac-12 After Dark? It's worth staying up for. <laughs> yeah, this Saturday night, you're probably going to need that split screen with the election returns. It may still be going. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, man. Oh, sorry for that uh, little <laughs> dose of reality. Uh, yeah, it's, that's brutal. Thanks for the thanks for the reminder. Right. Um, yeah. So, real quick, I, I love the fact that Matt – so, when is the first game? Um, Hang on. I don't know if the, let's let's see. I, I love how at ten ten during the middle of my radio show, to which she is probably listening, Mm-mm. Sarah has a quote serious question. It's probably something that we need to answer, mm-hmm. but who knows? Okay, um, midweek action makes debut Wednesday. 
Ooh, that's perfect. There we go. Perfect. We need we needed it. And that one is who's playing? That is is this Wednesday, tomorrow, Wednesday? Wednesday, tomorrow, November yeah. 4th. Right. Yeah. Um, at 7, I'm sure these times are Eastern. At 7 p.m. PM on ESPN, Central Michigan hosts Ohio. On ESPN 2 at 7, which again, I'm pretty sure that's 6 our time. Buffalo at Northern Illinois. Bowling Green at Toledo at 8 Eastern on ESPNU. And then you've got an ESPN Plus game, Eastern Michigan at Kent State, and ESPN 3 has Western Michigan-Akron. Is Terry Bowden still at Akron? You know, I don't know if Terry Bowden is still at Akron or not. I tell you, um, man, that guy was so good, uh, he is not. Tom Arth is the head coach there now. Tom Arth, he was at UTC. Uh, he was where? Tennessee Chattanooga. What, what is? I'm I'm sorry. I'm not a, I'm not aware. Of, <laughs> I've never heard of. <laughs> what is this of which you speak? Huh? Yeah, I've never. What's, heard, what's matter of fact? What I don't is, think he was ever at Tennessee Chattanooga. What is I, what is J State's beef with? First of Tennessee, all, we, yeah, I don't I don't know. We we will call them Tennessee Chattanooga, but they're known as Chattanooga. So just saying. Secondly, if you're going to be mad about MTSU, I'm not going to. Be, I'm, I'm going to give Chattanooga their due. Middle Tennessee, what? Yeah, he got he got real mad about that. So I'm just saying I'm going to give him their due. But <laughs> yes, Jacksonville State and, and Chattanooga are do have beef fierce rivals. We huh. literally hate each other. Really? Yes, that is that is our out. When Troy State moved to Division One, UTC was it. Really? And we hate. Chattanooga. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. There you go. They're so, just jealous. What is that? No, we, I, I, ge- spent, a, what I is spent a semester in uh, in Chattanooga. Is that 60 miles of hate on I-59 or something uh, or what? <laughs> basically, yes. Um, I can tell you that we're Jacksonville State is not jealous at all of Chattanooga <laughs> because Chattanooga hasn't beaten us in about 15 years. So there's that. Well. You don't have a roundhouse on campus, though. I'm, I'm going, I'm going to cape for Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, Tom Arthur is the head coach at Akron. So, anyway, let's things you did today. I learned TIL mm-hmm. that J State and Chad and Chattanooga have beef. I may have start ending the show with the things we learned. Yeah. So scary. So Sarah's going to learn something today. Yes. Uh-oh. What's a serious she, question? You're going to um, learn today. Well, so she just asked me if Crunch Bars and Crackle are the same thing. And they are, in fact, the same thing. One is Nestle, one is Hershey's, mm-hmm. but they're essentially the same candy yeah, bar. Yeah, they're chocolate and Rice Krispies. Yes. Same kind of candy bar. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they're they're the same yeah. basic recipe <laughs> of ingredients, maybe not the same exact taste. But they are the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's, there you go. That that's is the an interesting answer. question. It is. At 1014. I, I'm, apparently people were bringing in their Halloween candy to the office. And ah. so anyway. Mm, getting it out of the house. We're <sighs> settling an office dispute, I, I take it. I guess, yeah. perhaps. Um, 
Before we get into the Titans, let's let's run down a, a couple of things because the Atlanta Braves have been well. They've won some awards, but and not they're like, up for some, but awards. not the real yeah, awards. Yeah, right, right. Um, finalists for most valuable player in the National League include Mookie Betts, Manny Machado, and Freddie Freeman. I'll give you a guess as to which one of those is the lowest paid. I'll give you a guess as to which one is the favorite in this studio right now. Uh, I would be curious, to be honest with you. Although I think Freddie Freeman deserves it. Mm-hmm. Um, when are these votes, or when were they cast? I think they, they were cast, cast at the end of the regular yeah. season. Before the playoffs. Correct. Yes. Okay. But even still, I think Freddie offensively mm-hmm. outperformed Mookie in the playoffs. And... It's hard to outperform Mookie defensively, but as a first baseman, Freddie played – he had some crazy defensive plays in the postseason. Which, so. which, to say that, it surprised me that Dansby, Max Freed, and I don't remember who the third gold glove finalist is for Freddie the Braves. Was a, it, as a gold glove finalist, I believe. Yeah. Okay. All right, that's – I must have misread something. So, somewhere. all right, good. Um, hey, I know he won it. He won it last year, right? I don't remember. I, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. so the Gold Glove finalists at uh, let's see here, uh, that's the that's the American League. We don't care about them. <laughs> Pitcher Max Freed. Uh, no, it was not Freddie. Okay, it was. Uh, there were three. Dansby at shortstop. And Ronald Acuna Jr. at center field. Hurry, Jay. That's who are the finalists at first base? Who are the finalists at first base? That's a great question. We will tell you right now. It is Brandon Belt of the Giants, Paul Goldschmidt of the Cardinals, and Anthony Rizzo of the Cubs. Overrated, all three of them. I will not disagree with you at all. Uh, Cy Young finalists are. You Darvish of the Chicago Cubs, Jacob DeGrom of the New York Mets, who is, I think, like he's just a finalist because he's a finalist. And future brave Trevor Bauer. <laughs> Speak it into existence. Speak it into existence. Let's go. Yeah. So, anyway. that uh, And those those will be announced as the week progresses, I believe. Yes. By the um, Baseball Writers Association of America. I um I do find it a little odd that um you know manager of the year <laughs> is uh well doesn't include Brian Snitker. Well, I'm, so I'm not necessarily surprised that Snitker isn't included in the in the three finalists because he and the Braves tend to get overlooked for most of the awards anyway. What I am surprised at is who the three finalists are. Don Mattingly of the Miami Marlins. Uh, that I can see. Okay. I mean, he's a, he, he may be a jerk, but the Miami Marlins, whoo, GM of the year, Derek Jeter, come on. Um, David Ross of the Cubs. Hey, War Eagle, hey. Sorry, I love David Ross. He's one of my favorite players of all time. And another first-year manager who particularly irritates me 
When did it become a bad thing for your shortstop to hit grand slams on 3-0 counts? Ask Jace Tingler of the Padres, who is your third finalist. Yeah, he's he's that's a terrible. Yeah. I I don't care. You you hit. If you can hit it, you hit it. There you go. I don't care what the count is, I don't care what the score is, if you can hit it, you hit it. And if you don't want me to hit it, don't put it there. That's right. Yeah. So, but anyway, those are your three National League Manager of the Year finalists. Mattingly, Ross, Tingler. I guess, I guess I hope it's Mattingly. I don't know. Next year, if you want to hear the Braves, you can do so. Right here on WKRM, on Front Porch Radio, 103.7. Front Porch Radio will be an official Braves affiliate, and I got a feeling we may be handing out some some free trips to Atlanta, or at least tickets to games. You can't. Mm-hmm. We, we ain't going to pay your way. Yeah, I was gonna say free trips. <laughs> I mean, we'll take some free trips. There, there, there is a potential being a Braves affiliate. It does come with uh, certain perks. Uh, perks. perks. Yes, perks so, are good. To be determined. We would love to. Yes. Uh, we, we're hoping to give some some tickets away next perks year. Perks are good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <sighs> it's uh, it's almost ten twenty, and we haven't talked about the Titans at all. We did talk to Teresa Walker last Wednesday about how this is a get-right game <laughs> on Sunday for the Titans. And, and we see how that went. And the Bengals certainly got right. They did get they, right. They found, they found their way. What, and what, uh, they may have a new offensive line court combination, too. What were they, they were missing, what, three or four offensive They're, linemen from the previous week? All five of their week one starters were out. Were out. All and five they were one, one five and one That's coming in with a makeshift offensive line in which none of their season opening starting offensive linemen played. That just goes to show Joe Burrow, man. If I can paraphrase Mike Keith, the play-by-play announcer for the Titans, um, I, I turned the TV down and listened to the radio and sync it up and, of course, hit the play pause button and get it right. It's a little game I like to play on Sunday afternoons. <laughs> But the beginning, That's too much work. His his open, uh, he said, "There's one thing we know about the NFL: there are no absolutes. Uh, if the Titans lose this game, they certainly could win out, go 14 and two, and get to the Super Bowl. However, going up against a team that is one five and one says a lot about your team in terms of how you handle business today." And that was the lead-in to the game from the Titans Radio Network, how they handle business today, how you do against a team that you're supposed to beat. Well. That was from inside the organization in Titans Radio in terms of how they approached that game, and they failed miserably at that particular component. Yes, they did. Can, can, can we just describe this game in three words? Trash can juice. Trash can juice. There we go. Absolutely brutal. They were terrible from the start. Zero pass rush whatsoever from a bunch of guys that we're paying a lot of money. To pass rush. To do nothing but pass rush. That's why we pay you is to get to the quarterback and you can't do it against scrubs? Are you kidding me? You have one job. You have one job. What are we doing? And I watched all of it. Because I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess. Tannehill's pick in the first quarter. First drive of the game. A.J. Brown's open, and it was a great – I'm not sure how open he was. uh, A.J. Brown should be open. 
in that position. And I will say this. Jesse Bates made a heck of a play. Well, A.J. probably could have done a better – and I I typed this on Twitter at the time. A.J. probably could have done a better job trying to fight back to the ball. But at the same time, I just don't think it was a good decision on Tannehill's part. It probably wasn't, but when you're throwing to A.J. Brown, you expect he's the guy who's always open. Yeah, He's the guy who's going to come down with that most of the time. Uh it was a really good play by Bates. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will I will give him full credit for that. It wasn't a, a it wasn't a terribly awful decision by wasn't Tannehill, a great decision. but it wasn't a good one. No, uh, I, and I will I will just leave it at that. And I think that kind of set the tone. It really offensively. Did. Um, glad to know that Adam Humphreys just had a concussion because that was scary. just had a concussion. Yeah, yeah, that was scary. It could have been much worse. Well, so. I mean, he just when he landed, he just literally did not move that was that was scary um yeah it was it i saw you type that you said he hasn't moved yet and uh anyway um the the Bengals came into the game tied for the league lead and sacks given up (laughs) with uh, 28 and uh the titans did not get to joe burr let me tell you the third and nine throw that Joe Burrow made to ice the game mm-hmm. may have been the greatest throw in NFL history. <laughs> the dude, no hyperbole there. <laughs> the dude was not even looking at Burrow. Oh, Tyler Boyd over the middle right down there. Literally yeah. was facing the other direction. Burrow throws it. I don't know if, if it was supposed to do that, if that was the plan, but Burrow just – Throws it behind him. Dude turns around and catches it. It was the <laughs> wildest thing I've ever seen. The wildest thing I've ever seen. 31-20, the final in Cincinnati. They play the Bears. The Bears. The Bears. It's on Fox, too, which is very unusual. The game's in Nashville, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And it's an, uh, NFC team. an NFC team on the road gets yeah, a gets Fox, Fox game. Typically. Although they have in the last couple of years – uh, traded out a couple of games. You'll see uh, an NFC matchup on CBS and an AFC matchup. And on, it always confuses me, Fox. yeah, because there's no real rhyme or reason to it from the casual viewer's perspective. Yeah, it's like, wait a minute, why is this game on here? Yeah, but yeah, I tend to like CBS better. I don't know if it, it feels it feels lighter and airy, whereas Fox feels dark and I don't know. It's a big robot. Fox feels Fox. <laughs> overproduced, over kind Sometimes, of yeah. overbearing ish. That's that's me. kind of their style. Yeah, it is a in your face yeah. production style. Yeah, and a lot C- of sound effects and and CBS mm-hmm. is more. Just put it on and let me watch it. Yeah, which is more my speed. Yeah, I like yeah I like CBS broadcast better. But yeah. hey, what do I know? Very astute from both of you. Um. <laughs> Especially, so, like, we have no, like, television. Right? JP knows. Yeah. Like, JP can, he watches a game and he's like, oh, this production is this or that. And I'm like, I just think it's dark and feels very I can't, I can't erase those uh, those memories. Yeah. So, sitting um, in those production trucks. Apparently, someone with the Titans kind of saw what we saw. And, and I guess they said, well, if we can't get any rush, Maybe we, we better be able to cover. cover. So, let's go get... Desmond King from the Chargers in exchange for a six-round pick right up against the draft deadline, which is at, what, 3 o'clock today? Yeah, it can't be can't be any worse than what we've got. So, 
you know, as Teresa was saying, though, you know, you, you feel like a Dory Jackson cures a lot of these ills, but maybe, I mean, maybe that's what it takes to get Jonathan Joseph off the field. Yes. Now we have, now we have two things. When a Dory comes back, because he will before the season's up, yeah. when a Dory comes back, plus this move makes them a much better team. Yeah. I always kind of thought of King as more of a nickel cover type guy, though, than than a pure corner. Yeah. So yeah, it'll but be interesting least, to see how they use him. I, I, I think it makes a difference, though. I think I think there's some some things you can do scheme wise mm-hmm. to keep Joseph off the field as much. Thank so. goodness. All right, uh, let's take a quick break. I know we just blew through our last one, but it is what it is. We're going to talk. Oh, yeah. Return of the Mac. That's tomorrow night. We'll bring it back one more time. We We will. Um, On the other side of the break, we've got Matt. Matt Wilson from the Gulf South Conference should be joining us at the bottom of the hour. And um, Top 5 Tuesday coming up. Um, Top 5 Actors, which is not, which is gender neutral now. So it will include the term is gender the, neutral. The term is gender neutral, so it may include male or female performers. So stay tuned for all of that here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Chris Yao, joined, as always, by Mo Patton, J.P. Plant. Got an email yesterday. Uh, actually, first, let's say this. TWSAA has released a new <laughs> logo, a new logo for the Blue Cross Bowl, and it's a pretty sweet little logo. It's sharp. I, I don't know who designed Proud this, of them. but... but kudos to whoever did this is um we just retweeted it a little bit ago from um five star preps kudos to um jesse smithy over there in knoxville but um yeah i'd buy a stocking cap with that on it hopefully they'll be giving them out in cookville so i don't have to be nice but um but yeah i'd buy that it's pretty solid yeah definitely and and the two-tone blue well that's the blue cross yeah um yeah, you wouldn't expect it to be Thing. like red and gold or anything like right. that. Right. Yeah. You? Yeah. Yeah. Um, got an email yesterday that ESPN 
has canceled all multi-team events for basketball. And that came down last week, but uh, I, you know, was a little late to that party. I was I was a little busy last week, especially on Friday. A little busy this week. So, uh, anyway, lots of different, you know, basketball season is going to look a lot different. Football season has looked a lot different. Uh, the There have just been a number of changes throughout. You know what? If anybody's ever going to walk in this studio – when they're bearing peanut butter cookies, this is the best time to do it. That's the only time that that you should you should walk in. If our you're going to walk during, into the during, studio in the middle of a live broadcast, you better, better have be bearing food. Yeah, <laughs> these are world famous chicken man cookies, peanut butter cookies. We might start calling him Peanut Butter Man <laughs> if, if we don't watch out. But uh, but yeah, so college athletics overall has looked different uh, in 2020 and especially at the lower than power five level one of friend of the show Mm -hmm. matt wilson gulf south conference commissioner is joining us now and he's going to tell us a little bit about how things have been different and are changing in the gulf south and around that conference and the lower tier divisions yeah matt um matt's a columbia central graduate and really happy to be able to bring him on matt does it feel like you know when you were a kid and and everybody else got to go out and play and you were grounded because you hadn't done something you were supposed to do or you did something you weren't supposed to do what's this last few weeks months been like for y'all it does. It's it's been crazy. It really surreal is is what I use a lot. Is uh, it's just felt surreal every, and and everything changes so quickly. So the NCA medical guidance has driven a lot of the conversations we've been having, uh, whether to play, not play, how to play. Um, but you know, last Saturday we had our cross country championships. So that's the one of two sports we're playing this fall. We're playing cross country and we're playing men's and women's golf. And uh, for about three hours, other than being behind a mask the whole time, it felt a little bit like a normal fall Saturday should in conference administration. But now we're right back to trying to figure out how on earth are we going to play a basketball game this year? You know, um, I guess it's fairly easy to socially distance in golf and cross country. Yeah, they, they don't have any problems. And, and the key is that the testing guidance from the NCA is so drastically different for golf you only test symptomatic individuals. And for cross country, they did what they called surveillance testing, which is 25 to 50% of the team every two weeks. So those are manageable for our schools. What we would have had to done for football is test at least once weekly with the most expensive um, brand of testing, which is the PCR uh, test for those that are in the weeds on that sort of thing. And that was going to be at the time when you're looking at August or September between the cost and the availability, just going to be a really big hurdle for us to participate in this year. So that guidance and that testing that's associated with it uh, is both a blessing and a curse for being part of the NCA right now. So million dollar question at this point, is that going to be any easier for football after Christmas? I don't think so uh, as far as easy, but I think that there's a chance that it's more manageable. So I I guess a a little maybe maybe yes with an asterisk uh, that one, the testing costs are coming down, which is good. And the availability of testing is going up. And third, I think everybody has finally wrapped their mind around that if you want to play NCAA athletics, this is the cost of admission right now. 
So you're going to have to find the resources and find a way, or you're going to have to choose not to play, which some have already. There's a lot of division three conferences and institutions that are not going to play basketball now. Um, I think you heard Bethune Cookman maybe was the most notable division one that I don't think is going to play basketball in spring sports. So uh, there are people having to make those hard decisions. And that I would imagine that is a hard decision. I mean, um, are you seeing or are you concerned that any of your Gulf South institutions may be leaning in that direction? Absolutely. Yeah, the, the, the financial pressure and the resources. So for Division Two, it, it sets up a little differently. We're not um, in a position where we have large media contracts. We're not making a lot of money because our games are on uh, ESPN or ESPN Plus or Fox or any of that. Where our institutions see financial benefit from their athletic programs are through donations and through uh, enrollment. So if you have 36 total scholarships for your football team, yet you carry 110, that's a lot of people paying a lot of tuition and, and meal plans and dorms and things like that. So that's where we see a lot of it. So our schools are in a weird spot right now where we didn't participate. We're seeing most of our student athletes return to campus, but will they continue to do that, particularly as uh, schools have broad virtual uh, programming opportunities for academics as well. So uh, the schools are in a, in a, in a interesting spot where they've got to balance what works best and being good stewards of their resources on campus broadly and then in athletics specifically. Visiting with Matt Wilson, commissioner of the Gulf South Conference. Matt, what, uh, what have you seen from or, or heard from your member institutions as far as the athletics and athletes are concerned, are the athletes and coaches telling you that, you know, it's, we really want to play whatever it takes or. Yeah, we do see a lot of that. Our athletes and in the cross country and golf has been a great example. They've done exactly what we've asked them to do, whether it's, uh, masking during warmups or in their team areas and, and how they manage their weight room time and their training periods of student athletes, uh, are willing to take on um, what's requested of them to compete. Uh, the, the work for us is to try to put them in a position where we can still do that uh, and be responsible both legally, risk management-wise, public health-wise, uh, and competition-wise. There's really four key considerations as we make every decision, and they don't align. That's, and you all have been around long enough to know that there's tension between the four of them. They don't align. So trying to find uh, alignment among 13 member institutions in four different categories uh, that don't necessarily align, that, that's that been the biggest challenge for us over the last seven months or so. Have state and local, I guess, guidelines also been a challenge for you guys to mesh up? Those have actually been a little easier to hit uh, in the communities where those leaders have led. Uh, and, you know, not it's election day and we're not I'm not into political commentary, but where those people have led uh, those state and local leaders have led. Well, it's been actually made it easier on our member institutions because they have clear guidance to point to where they haven't or where there's been giving really, really broad discretion. So I'll use Florida as an example. The University of West Florida is in our conference down in Pensacola, down in the panhandle the governor there has basically thrown the doors open on competition venues and things like that. And it's made it a bigger challenge for them. But uh, the university system over in Georgia at Valdosta State and West Georgia, for those folks, it's made it a little bit easier because they've been 
uh, systematic and uh, measured approach as far as how many people do we let in, how many screenings are we going to do, which facilities are open. So where people have led well, it's made it a little easier, Chris. And I, that may sound counterintuitive, but it's, it's been helpful for our members to have that clear direction, even if we don't necessarily agree with it. So right now, Matt, what are y'all's return dates specifically for football and basketball? So uh, football is conducting spring practice in the fall is basically what's happening for football. Uh, our board meets again today, and then we have another couple meetings between now and Christmas. I anticipate that we'll have a firm competition announcement for football uh, before the Christmas holiday. Basketball, they start their 20-hour practice periods on Monday, so we've, uh, we've approved that. Uh, we have a tentative start date of December 10th for our basketball competition. Uh, the challenge for our coaches is we don't know for sure what the, uh, the schedule is going to look like. We've got one out there, but uh, new information we've received from Indianapolis as far as NCA guidance comes is, is uh, giving us pause and having us reevaluate what the format of that schedule looks like. So tentatively, Mo, it's uh, November 9th for some practice for basketball and December uh, after final exams for uh, competition in basketball. Football's still a little bit to be determined. Matt, here's here's the question because we discussed we being the TWSAA or it was discussed amongst high schools the possibility of pushing football to a spring competitive schedule and I don't know it it just my first thought was how are you going to play the 2021 football season in the spring and then you're going to play the 2020 uh 22 football season in the fall i mean how does that work for y'all what's gonna are they both gonna be modified or i think what you will most likely see from us is that we're going to give broad institutional discretion on how many games you play and that there may not be an official gsc uh, competition in football this academic year so institutions would have the choice to play think about how austin p attacked this the fall right? right they picked up just a few games here and there that met for what their institution was trying to achieve i think you might anticipate something similar for us in the spring and then us go full barrel in the fall one of the differences for the gulf south and other division two is is we legitimately our expectation is national championship title game appearances that's that's just the expectation of gsc football we've had and well earned appearances in five the last five years and the history goes back much further we've got the last two national champions. So as our folks were evaluating that, they wanted to make sure to your point, I think the question behind your question is how do we make sure we're ready to win a national championship in uh, December of 21? Well, that didn't look like playing seven or eight games in the fall or in the spring rather. That makes a lot of sense. I, I think, you know, we've seen that the FCS is planning on playing their playoff in the, in spring. the spring. Just division two, not playing a playoff in the spring. That's correct. So Division Two took a different model. The Division gotcha. Two decided that if 50% or fewer of uh, institutions were not competing in the season of competition, so football in the fall, for example, if 50% or fewer chose not to play, there would be no Division Two championship that academic year. So that's where we're at in the fall. All fall championships have been canceled in Division Twos and Three. That makes a lot of sense, and and I think that's a that's a positive. It's been uh you know, it, it's been a, a wild year. And the last time that we talked with you was, uh, we had no idea what was coming. Did you? Did, has this kind of stayed on course of what you were expecting at going into the fall? Chris, I don't think so. I think I, 
my, the only person I know that sees around corners in our industry is Greg Sankey. So I wish I could pick his brain a lot more, even though we're just down the street from each other. He's about the only one that sees around corners. He's the smartest guy in the room and sees things before they happen. I'm not that smart. I'm just trying to make it day to day right now with, with folks. And uh, just as a anecdote there, uh, when we can't chose not to play soccer and volleyball and football, this will show you how clueless I have been on the thing. I thought that was going to be the hardest decision we'd have to make. And I was going to take a big, deep breath and I was going to uh, be able to take a day off. Every decision since then has been harder. It feels like because it just creates another vacuum of decisions and, and things that people don't know and have not ever done before. So it, it just continues in a, in a whirlpool. So I, I'm excited for us to get basketball competition started uh, we know that there'll be some disruptions and interruptions based on testing and positives and quarantines we suspect, but I'm anxious to get that going because then we're back into making decisions we're familiar with, right? Competition decisions and, and things like that. Right now we're all in uncharted territory. So it, it's been really, it's been really tough. And I don't think I saw this coming back in June when we were talking about it, we were, we were our biggest concern was, what if I only have five officials because a couple of them get sick? And then all of a sudden in about four weeks, I was like, you know what? We're not going to play a single football game this year, are we? Uh, so it's been crazy. <laughs> you and, know, you mentioned Greg Sankey being right around the corner. What is the relationship? I'm just curious. What is the relationship between you all? How, how, how open is he to you picking his brain and that kind of thing? He's been very generous. I've been very judicious in trying to determine when to do that but he's been very generous where our partnerships actually are a little better is in the officiating world. Yeah. His, his coordinators have been, uh, and it's to their benefit and our benefit, right? They want to train up some people. We want to get access to some training. So our officiating programs have some overlap where we have some things, but, uh, they've let us use their facilities for some meetings. I've been down to visit with him a couple of times. He, he's been real generous with his time, but, uh, you know, he's a lot more, he's a lot closer to Richard Goodell in his job duties than he is Matt Wilson. I can tell you that. <laughs> There you go. Matt Wilson, Gulf South Conference Commissioner. Matt, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks, Chris. Also, uh, you know, I don't need a stocking cap, but I'll take peanut butter cookies or a signed print from the Hall of Famer whenever I can get that. Yes. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. All right. Hey, congrats, Mo. Well deserved. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it, man. Good talking to you. Hey, I appreciate y'all giving me the time. All right. Matt Wilson, Gulf South Commissioner and Columbia Central grad. Yep. Appreciate his time here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day. When we return, it is Top 5 Tuesday. We're going to take our top five actors and our favorite movies from said actors on the other side of this break. We'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Are you finally ready to turn your outdated kitchen into a dream kitchen, but you don't want to deal with the hassle of a remodel? Call our friends Lynn and Kathy over at By Design Cabinetry in Spring Hill. They have the latest trends and timeless classic looks for your home. By Design Cabinetry is your solution to indoor and outdoor cabinets. Visit them at bydesigncabinetry.com or call 615-241-1195. Hey folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, 
our greatest leader building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Congratulations to our friends at the Nashville Predators, as Victor Arvinson announced he's having a baby. He joins Rene, Yossi, Arvey, Ekholm, and Jan Kruk. Jan Kruk. Jan Jan Kruk. Jan Kruk. Kruk. Whatever. (laughs) Jan Kruk. That's five... Preds babies, they're one away from having a starting <laughs> line. <laughs> and they have a goalie because baby Rene. There you go. Nine minutes to the top of the hour, and that means it's top five Tuesday, and we got to get on the road with it. Because I got some, this is exciting. Uh, unfortunately, over the weekend, we lost one of the world's greatest, and that's Bond. James Bond. I need the, to check in on my mom and see how she's doing. Yeah, I think OG. that was her favorite Bond. Yeah, the OG. Yeah. Um, Sean Connery passed away. Uh, and in in honor of that, we're going to throw out our top five favorite actors. Actors is a general gender neutral term in this sense. They are apparently not using actress anymore. So, actor is the term. Mm-hmm. We will start off number five. Who wants to go first? JP? Sure. Um, all right. Uh, this is going back to somebody that I really hasn't watched, but she has a song that's uh, kind of named after her. Betty Davis Eyes. Ooh, when you have Davis. a song named after your eyes. she got Betty Davis eyes. Neither of y'all is Kim Carn. Stop it. That's, good. That's a good song. <laughs> it, like it's one. better when Kim does it. It is yeah. much better. So Betty Davis number five. I do. Um, I do hear that at karaoke quite a lot though. So. By anyway. the way, she she won two Oscars. Oh okay. <laughs> What's your favorite uh, movie? Betty Davis movie. Uh, the one listed here, All About Eve. I have no idea. I haven't seen her. I said just because uh, the song. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, mine is Nicole Kidman. Mm. And, of course, my favorite movie is Cold Mountain. <laughs> uh, honorable mention on that one is Days of Thunder. Get the cock hole. <laughs> so my number five is a tie. I'm, I'm not a big movie guy, but Danny Glover and Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, yeah. I love Tommy Lee Jones' character in The Fugitive. Tommy Lee Jones is fantastic. I I loved him in Men in Black and The Fugitive. (laughs) But Men in Black, he was so good. And the movie that he did with um, Samuel L. Jackson, whose name you'll hear again in a bit, um, Um, the military movie, where he um, represented um, him in the court-martial. Terms of Engagement? Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. But um, my favorite Tommy Lee Jones role was in The Fugitive, Danny Glover, and all of the lethal weapons. And, of course, Roger. Angels in the Outfield. <laughs> in all of the lethal weapons, yeah. So, okay. Number Num- four. Number four. All right, uh, number four. Uh, this guy is uh, 
probably gets into the character more than anyone that I've seen in recent memory. Joaquin Phoenix. Dude's great. Dude is good. Um, and while I his Johnny Cash is fantastic. Yeah, that and also, uh, which may be probably the favorite movie, only because I haven't seen him in um, the Joker. Yeah, name but the... but I've seen I've seen uh, documentaries or documentary feature um, about him in that movie and all that he did to get into that. So, but uh, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix, I think he deserves to be in there. Number four, named his kid River, which That's is right. very sweet. Yep. My number four is Sean Connery. My favorite Sean Connery film is Finding Forrester, which is a fantastic movie. Uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out. My number four is Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yes! Yes! Do it! Do it now! And, um... Hold on. My, oh, no, you're about to... Uh, okay, 931-381-1017. right, I'll let you, I'll let you finish. And my favorite Nicolas Cage movie is Gone in 60 Seconds. Okay. At least you didn't say Con Air. (laughs) Sarah told me that if anybody had Nicolas Cage on their list, she was calling in and throwing a fit. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Okay. And she's all I see is bubbles and and angry emojis, and this is fantastic. Wow. Okay. <laughs> all right. Anyway, number number three. three. <laughs> number three. Uh, wait, did you give your number four? Uh, yeah, Sean Connery. Okay, that's right. All right, my number three is Sean Connery. Ah, yeah, gotcha. absolutely. Favorite movie? Um, it's got to be one of the Bond movies. Goldfinger. Yeah, that's Goldfinger's pretty good. Um, a couple others. Yeah. <sighs> number three. A little, little early in the day to reference some of those. But. Sure, sure. Mm. My number three is James Jimmy Stewart because wow. obviously <laughs> we're 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 coming up on Christmas, but my favorite Jimmy Stewart role is Mr. Smith goes to Washington. That is a good one. That filibuster was worth. Everything I've ever seen. I, I can tell you the first time I saw the movie in seventh grade civics class, and ever since then, Jimmy Stewart, fantastic role. Number three, Samuel L. Jackson. Sammy. That's a good one. Um, favorite role. Say it one more time. <laughs> you know, I didn't. I didn't really get turned on to Pulp Fiction until the last two or three years. It's a great movie. It is. It is. Um, and and the out of sync, you know, it's not chronological. So exactly. It, it it really makes you think. But um, also Soul Man. Oh, it's a good one. Mm. He and Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac's mm. last role. I, I love Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Number two. Number two. Um, because this is from my favorite movie, Susan Sarandon mm. and her character in Bull she, Durham. She always plays that character mm-hmm. too. By the way. Yeah. She plays that particular kind of character, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Hit them where they ain't. <laughs> uh, you sound just like her. That was impressive. Uh, yeah. Must and, be a redheaded thing. And, and her, um, must be, her intro monologue of that movie. is fantastic. Um, when I found out that baseball had 37 stitches and uh, there are 37 beads in a rosary, I thought I'd give baseball, or give religion a chance. <laughs> I mean, she's, she was, she's very good. Um, the movie that she played in with a Rob, uh, with um, ah, never mind. Anyway, number two, Julia Roberts. You know what? 
I was just getting ready to. Mm. I mean, she's Throw not her on my. There? She's not on my list, but she probably should have been. Yeah, because you, I love her and Aaron Brockovich. That's my favorite movie. That's there a good you one. go. Of course, you know you can't go without. Uh, well, tickle me fancy. There's a seat for two. <laughs> my favorite is Runaway Bride when she she jumps on the FedEx truck, and somebody goes, "Where is she going?" He and the guy says, "I don't know, but she'll be there by noon tomorrow." <laughs> <laughs> there, her favorite line, my favorite line of hers, and Aaron Brockovich cannot be repeated on the air. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. So, but, um, number two. My number two. Actually, I flip-flopped my number two and my number three. Samuel L. should have been my number two. Don Cheadle should have been my number three. Talking about character actors mm-hmm. in particular, but I really enjoyed him in um, Crash. Crash is a great movie. Yeah. Heck he was an, great. Heck of an ensemble cast. House of Lies. If you have not seen that, watch it. He was good in Boogie Nights, too. Ooh, tell him what Seriously. you're telling. Yeah. I love that. I love it. <laughs> Don Cheadle was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Leon Phelps, the ladies' man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ladies' man, Leon Phelps. Hey, have you seen um, Talk to Me? I have not. It's It was an HBO movie. I think he played um, Petey Green. Oh, he was a up. talk show host in D.C. coming out of prison. And... Flew to stardom with that. Great Here's number movie. one. Yeah. All right, real quickly, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Great one. Charlie Wilson's War. I got Clint Eastwood, Outlaw Josie Wells, and Trouble with the Curve. I got Denzel Washington, Devil great in a one. Blue Dress. That's a great one. This is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. We're presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow, 9 a.m. WKOM. <laughs>